Welcome in to another edition of the Locked On Knicks podcast. Today I'm Gavin Shaw going solo to break down a 105-103 New York Knicks victory over the Orlando Magic and a new report about the Marcus Morris trade. All that and more next on Locked On Knicks. You are Locked On Knicks, your daily New York Knicks podcast. Part of the Locked On Podcast Network, your team every day. What he does is contagious. Robinson with a catch and slam. Across the lane. Knocks foul from behind. What's up? You are Locked On Knicks. Again, I'm Gavin Shaw. Alex is out uh, enjoying a presumably beautiful Saturday afternoon. I wouldn't know. I haven't left my apartment yet today. And uh, I am here to talk about Knicks magic from Thursday night. A 105 to 103 victory for the New York Knicks over the Orlando Magic. Uh, We'll get into that. And uh, the report from the L.A. Times' Brad Turner that the Knicks had a standing offer for Kyle Kuzma and Danny Green in exchange for Marcus Morris and decided to take the Clippers package instead. But let's start off with the Magic game. A pretty impressive win for the Knicks, their third in a row over a playoff team, a blit one that is eight games under 500, but a playoff team all the same. Uh, The Knicks obviously did it without Marcus Morris, who was traded to the Orlando Magic, and the impact of that trade became pretty immediately apparent uh, with the Knicks' complete lack of three-point shooting outside of a resurgent Wayne Ellington, who essentially won the Knicks the game. He hit four threes in 18 minutes of action, including three in a four-minute stretch early in the fourth quarter where the Knicks were down 90-80. to 80. That got them right back into this game. If he doesn't go on that hot streak, I think the Magic pull away and win this one after they outscored the Knicks by 14 in the third. And that's pretty indicative of the idea the Knicks are going to be the worst three-point shooting team in the NBA uh, going forward, at, even, even with Morris, who was one of the five best three-point shooters in the league this season. The Knicks were 28th in the league in three-point percentage, not taking a ton Every game, which is a pretty significant indictment on their shooting. And again, that that is going to be a lot of trouble, which makes it even more impressive that they were able to hold on in this game and pull it out. Uh, It was a testament to a great game for the Knicks vets, which anyone who listens uh, would would understand that I'm, I'm frustrated that that's the reality, that those are the guys that are still the focal point after the trade deadline. But you got to give credit where credit's due. They were excellent in this one. Uh, which shouldn't be relevant to the argument, but that's neither here nor there. Uh, Julius Randle in 30 minutes, 22 points, 8 boards, 4 assists. Uh, he had just two turnovers, uh, two really good plays defensively uh, where he got blocks, I think both in the first quarter in one-on-one situations where Nikola Vucevic and I'm trying to remember who the other person was. I think it might have been a guard like Evan Fournier where someone just, just tried to take him right to the basket and, and Randle just, just beat them in a in a one-on-one situation um and this is one of those rare games where you see randall put up good stat lines but it just sort of feels like by being on the court he's, he's taking something off the table whether that's in terms of spacing or just inexplicable turnovers or 
dumbfounding bad defense. And not that he was he's great overall defensively in this game, but I just saw one of those games where he gave a lot offensively and and didn't take a lot else off the table, which is is impressive. Uh, Taj Gibson, uh, one of his five best games of the season, nine of thirteen from the field, nineteen points, five boards. Again, just in a very general sense. I don't get why he's playing over Mitchell Robinson. The Knicks continue to be better when Robinson is on the court than when Gibson is on the court. Uh, and, and again, tonight he was excellent, and I get that he provides more in terms of individual offense, and that's pretty significant for a team without Morris uh, when, when they lose all that shot creation. And it's, it's still questionable how much the Knicks point guards can turn Mitch into a scoring force. Obviously, there, there are nights where... Things are really rolling, and he'll get to 20 points with eight lobs. But more often than not, that's not going to happen. So, again, I sort of get it from that perspective. But you look at Gibson, he's not hes not going 9 for 13 every night, and he's not going to get to go against uh, Nikola Vucevic every night. Alfred Payton uh, continues a stretch where he's been sublime. 15 points, 9 assists, 7 steals, just a ridiculous number there, and 4 rebounds. He, he's been really, really good. Though, again, even even on the nights when he is efficient shooting the basketball and he's he's really throwing some good passes, like he, he got the Knicks off to one of their better starts of the season in this game and a 30-19 to 19 advantage in the first quarter. He was really the engine for that getting to the lane, uh, making plays off the dribble, having creative finishes, finding guys under the basket for easy lay-ins. Um, he gives up a lot of it defensively. He really dies on picks, and that's I know it's something we've noted before, but um, it just obviously it's one of those things where he sort of is who he is and it's not going to improve. And you combine that with his lack of shooting and the fact that he doesn't get to the free throw line very much, didn't, didn't get there once tonight, and he's just he's not really a winning player, even even if he's arguably the best the Knicks have, especially on a night when Frank Nilakina, uh was, was pretty much absent, had more turnovers than assists, more turnovers than rebounds, uh, the same amount of turnovers as points. It was two, uh, so he... He didn't make much of an impact in 14 minutes. And then Dennis Smith Jr. was active, and he certainly had some good moments. He was better than Frank overall, six assists, five boards in 15 minutes. And it's it's just it's interesting, the collective athleticism the Knicks have out there when, when they have Smith, R.J. Barrett, and Mitchell Robinson on the floor at the same time, which obviously isn't something you see all that often, but in the first quarter the Knicks had it, and they were getting out in transition, they were forcing turnovers, and, and those three running the court together is, is really something to behold, because Smith is just such a monster athlete, but... I mean, he, he still just he, he just can't shoot to save his life. 0 for 2 for 3, was, was passing up open threes, couldn't really finish around the basket, only only got to the foul line uh, once and, and only hit a single free throw for his one point of the game. Still had four turnovers, so uh, DSJ giveth, DSJ taketh away. On the defensive end, he was pretty bad. Michael Porter, or not Michael Porter Jr., Michael Carter uh, Williams was, was sort of eating his lunch on that end, just bullying him into the basket, and Smith got a small measure of revenge in the third quarter, picking up a block on him, but outside of that, uh, he was just sort of getting pushed around. We mentioned Ellington was excellent. Uh, maybe I'm bearing the lead here. RJ came back uh, from that ankle injury and looked pretty spry, got nine free throws in 18 minutes. Uh, that's mitigated by the fact that he only hit five of them. Also had three assists, three rebounds. He, he just looked, he looked pretty athletic. He looked pretty good. Obviously, you'll take 12 points in 18 minutes. Um, excited to see him get back into the swing of things and play quite a bit more. I'm really hoping for a lot of lineups with him getting to play with, I mean, not only Mitch, but Mitch and Frank, who obviously those are the three that I want to see on the court most of all, but Ellington and uh, Bullock and just, just giving him enough shooting to have a chance to thrive offensively. 
And uh, yeah, I'm just kind of scrolling through here. That was that was pretty much most of my notes. So Reggie Bullock didn't didn't have much of a game. He's five of thirteen. Certainly got his shots up. Uh, didn't hit three on four attempts. Finished with twelve points. He is he is sneaky good in transition and on, on backdoor cuts. I wanted to say that he's he's a bigger guy than you think. Like pretty well built, and he's listed at six six, but he almost he almost looks taller relative to to other guards it, when he's in transition when he's on cuts he's he's just really good even even though he's not that quick uh, of just gathering taking some contact and finishing in his own time on his own terms and i always i always appreciate that from him uh, frank had a nice little layup off of an eto from mike miller uh where this was in the first quarter uh on an inbound he, he was setting a back screen and then he just sort of um dove and rolled to the basket and was just wide open uh, used the backboard as a shield it was a nice little play for miller who now has um as many losses as uh, david fisdale and three times as many wins so a good indicator of what kind of coach miller is and maybe even a better indicator of what kind of coach fisdale is all right uh to wrap things up uh let's talk about that report from the los angeles times uh brad turner who uh, said that the lakers made kyle kuzma and danny green available to the knicks in a potential trade, and the Knicks turn that down for the Clippers' offer. I think it's 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 a little bit of an interesting exchange, uh, given that I would say odds are pretty high that Kuzma, in a vacuum, is a better player than whoever the Knicks get with the Clippers' pick is going to be. You, you obviously you take into account they also got that Pistons pick that'll be pretty high in what should be a much more loaded draft a year from now in in the second round, obviously. Um, and might actually, as some people have argued on Twitter, and I, I sort of agree with, end up being better value than the Clippers pick. So they ba- they basically got two like borderline first round picks out of this. I, I would say in, in terms of um, average draft value, what you usually get um, in terms of late first round pick return, and whether that's more valuable than Kyle Kuzma, it's intriguing because I got into this this argument with my friend Tyler earlier this week, who who like me also supports uh, the Knicks and the Phoenix Suns. And um, we, we were talking about um, why the Suns, I guess we could have had the same conversation for the Knicks, but why, why the Suns didn't go harder after D'Lo and maybe offer up uh, Kelly Oubre to the Warriors, who, who honestly is like would have been more appealing than Andrew Wiggins. Maybe the Suns also would have had to, to throw in a pick, and, and that was the real issue there, but that, that's neither here nor there. Uh, the, the point is basically when you're a team like the Suns or the Knicks, in, in the case of the Suns haven't made the playoffs in eight straight years, is it... Is it worth being so precious? Shouldn't you just try to be respectable before you aim for greatness? And I mean, I'm more guilty of Alex in this, but I think both of us sometimes we, we get into the conversations of, all right, what what piece brings you closest to winning a championship? Which guy is a winning player? Which guy is going to be a part of your next title team? And maybe that's not realistic when you've you've only been a contender uh, once in 20 years in the case of the Knicks and not really for the last decade. In in the case of the Suns, shouldn't you just get the guy that's fun, that you know is good, and then build from there? And, and to me, that's sort of the same case for Kyle Kuzma. Isn't he, he's clearly, I mean, he's. I think he's a talented offensive player. I don't know. I know he's inefficient. I know there. you can question his work ethic. You can question uh, where his focus is at. But... He's, he's clearly talented, and I don't think he's a great fit for the Knicks. 
I mean, you can argue he's he's solid just in the sense that he can shoot and nominally play the four. But I don't know. I kind of maybe I'm I. It's possible I haven't just I just haven't watched a lot of him because I think there are a lot of a lot of smart NBA people out there who just totally disregard him as a guy who contributes to winning. But I mean, I I do see a guy that in the right context could be a pretty good player. I mean, people said the same thing about. J.R. Smith for a long time, and don't get me wrong, J.R. Smith was, was a greater talent than Kyle Kuzma is, but smaller example, he, he was a guy who eventually, I mean, it took LeBron James, but he helped, he, he was essential to Cleveland winning a title, and maybe that's Kuzma this year on the Lakers, and all of a sudden his value skyrockets, because even though he's efficient for four games, inefficient, excuse me, for four games in a series, he is good enough to erupt for 28 on, on the biggest possible stage, and, and isn't really fearful of that stage. Again, I, I don't necessarily know what, what the better move was. I think the prudent, more safe move was probably getting the picks. And in that sense, I, I sort of commend Scott Perry for not making the splash move for the sake of making the splash move and, and just solely attempting to keep his job. Anyways, that is it for this edition of the Locked On Knicks podcast. Uh, two more games for the Knicks this weekend. Uh, we will be recording Sunday night. Have that for you Monday morning. Um, so stay tuned for that. Feet and enjoy the rest of your weekend. This has been Locked On Knicks.